0: from Broken Radio, and I have the pleasure, the honor, to be on the phone getting ready to do this interview with Mr. Attica 7, Illusion Motorcycles, Sons of Anarchy, Mr. Rusty Coons. Thank you so much,
1: Rusty, for it. Just some really cool stuff, you know. One of them is actually a wedding coach that uh, it's encrusted in uh, crystals.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: Yeah, wow. not my style. It's more like Liberace style. Yeah. exactly. But, you, know, you, yeah, you build what you build. You know what I mean? Exactly. I mean, somebody puts in an order. You got, can't say, "Hey, wait a minute." Well, I, actually, I did say, "Wait a minute," but I did it anyway. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but how do you balance? I mean, that there's so much going on there. You know, you have this um, amazing business going. You know, with the motorcycles, and I know that you know because it's like now everyone wants everyone wants an illusion motorcycle. You know, and then and then you have you know, then you're in an Atkinson, and and then Sons of Anarchy. How are you, you know, balancing all of that? Like, it's, yeah, the that year was, must have been crazy.
1: It was pretty tough. When we got into uh, the season, uh, my character, Rain Quinn, uh, was on the show about ten episodes uh, this last season. And uh, he was on two episodes on season five before that when he got introduced. And uh, so I had... All at the same time, we had the touring season with the band, and we were on the Mayhem Fest, which went uh, 26 cities around the nation. Um, And then we also had uh, some of the uproar, all the radio dates for the uproar, you know. And uh, so we had to do those shows, which were another five of those. So I was shooting the show. I'd, I'd get off sometimes, jump on a plane, fly all night back wherever uh the tour bus and the and the show was at and play, and then sometimes I could stay a few days sometimes I'd have to fly right back, you know to film it was pretty interesting it was it was it was uh, really hectic but fun,
0: yeah, well, it's good to be busy in that way, of course you know
1: to, yeah um, yeah it's a good know. good problem to have you exactly know.
0: <laughs> good problem to have yeah that's that's the way to put it so um I'd love to talk about um blood of my enemies, the um debut album. From Attica uh-huh. Seven, and um, I know that um, you you know you wrote a lot of the songs, most of the songs on the album. Is that that's correct?
1: Yeah, most of it. Me and Evan uh, Seinfeld collaborated on uh, the album, and uh, we took a lot of material I already had, and then we changed it around a little bit on some of it. Some of it stayed pretty much like it was. Some of it was modified a lot. We wrote a few new songs also, mm-hmm. and uh, that was our debut album. And it came out pretty good. Uh, most of this stuff was um, started when I was in prison. I've been out for nine years. And Thanks. when I uh, went away on a conspiracy charge, I got re inspired to start playing the guitar and I just started writing music. Wrote about 32 songs while I was inside. And I was in a federal prison, so they, every time there's a holiday, they would have inmates uh, do entertainment. And I was in the band program, so every holiday my band would be playing uh, for the inmates, including other bands too. We, I mean, it was weird. You would have mariachi guys out there, then you'd have Attica Seven, then you'd have some rappers out there. It was all different.
0: <laughs> wow, that's that sounds amazing. So, so yeah, if you could, you know, just maybe talk about the mindset you were in when you were writing some of these songs, and also, you know, what was kind of like. What was the birth? You know, that was kind of the birth of Attica 7. But if you could talk about, you know, uh-huh. what you were thinking about when you were writing those.
1: Well, some of the songs, you know, there, there's a theme to every song. And uh, like serial killer, that's that's actually the words of a serial killer. So what I had to do is is in myself, I would um, really get deep into that character and try to become that person for the for that song. I had to really immerse myself in that kind of thinking in a real dark place and uh you know this that's the words of a serial killer uh speaking yeah. and he's he's not necessarily um doing it because he wants to it's just the demons take over and uh it, it's it's explained in the song you know and uh, then there's other songs like no redemption no redemption's also a, a song about uh somebody with a number on their chest. You have to have eyes in the back of your head when you're in prison because you you just don't know. You know, you you can be attacked at any time. You know, there's all kinds of weird stuff going on, as a lot of people know.
0: <laughs> so yeah.
1: you have to deal with all that. And uh, let's see, then there was lockdown. Lockdown's another one where a guy's in solitary confinement, and he's kind of going insane. And uh, that was another one that I really had to dig deep to come up with the uh, lyrics for that one. And uh let's see, we've got uh, Living in Oppression, which is, uh, you know, about oppressive, uh, you know, governments and, and how they're uh, pulling strings and a lot of that kind of stuff, you know. So it goes right. across the board. There's some other songs that aren't about that. There's a song called War. You know, it's about war, and yeah. it really gets gets into, uh, you know, who is creating war, and it, it comes down to a pretty dark force is what it really boils down to a lot of the times, you know.
0: And when you were writing these songs, I mean, when you were in a, you know, you were definitely in a certain, you know, mental place and being um, in a dark place or, you know, thinking, when when you were um when you were writing did you say to yourself okay after this time is up i want to do music on the outside but did you specifically have you know this type of metal band in mind
1: i didn't really know where it would evolve to but i did say to myself i got so into it that i spent any time when i was on the yard i would be uh i'd pick up a guitar from the rec department and I would go out and I would write riffs, so I'd be writing music, uh, you know, uh, you know. and I just spent all my time doing that. And I told myself that when I get out, I'm going to get the best players I can get, and I'm not going to be a cover band, I'm not going to be a bar band, and I'm just going to write original songs and uh, go as far as I can go with it. And it's, And when I did get out, that's what I did. I got the best players I could get locally and then it just started growing uh, and i got different players over time and i ended up with the lineup i have now
0: Mm but what what are your uh, musical influences
1: uh we you know i it's funny because uh, i didn't have anything to listen to when i was in there so i had to uh just take what i had in my head and i really like early black sabbath love early led zeppelin uh Horn, Metallica, Megadeth, you know, all that, Pantera, a lot of that. It's funny, I didn't really listen to a lot of Pantera before I went in there, but when I started uh, doing drop-tuned songwriting, a lot of the riffs came out very similar to that style, Mm -hmm. and there was a real similarity in some of the stuff there, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. I've
0: noticed... um, I've, I've seen you play a couple of different guitars, you know, in certain footage and whatnot. What's your favorite guitar to play?
1: Well, the one that I like the looks of the best is, is what I'm playing mm-hmm. now, the Dean, and it's the Razorback, the Dimebag model.
0: Yeah.
1: Just a beautiful guitar. It's it's a real metal-looking guitar with the points, and it's a real long guitar. And I have a picture on my phone of, of uh, that guitar standing up, and then uh, – Next to it is a PRS, which I played for years, and I love the way the PRS plays. But it's a very small-looking guitar in my hands. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's. Uh, I'd love to have the best of both worlds and have the Razorback set up just like the PRS. That w- that would be my ultimate guitar. Wow. And right right now, I don't have it set up that way. But uh, it's really a, a great guitar, the PRS, also.
0: That sounds really cool because Rusty, aren't you? You're six six foot five, is that it?
1: Yes, yeah, between six five six six, yeah.
0: Yeah. So yeah, uh, <laughs> you're, you're dwarf, dwarfing a regular guitar. So, oh yeah, uh, there's
1: pictures of me with the with the PRS on stage, and uh, people think I'm playing a mandolin. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: so um, you know, you um, spoke a little bit about um. You know being incarcerated and and um you know, and you know spending how how long was it?
1: Well, I had an eight year sentence, but mm-hmm. I did the drug program, which knocked off a year. I got a halfway house uh which knocks off six months, I got fourteen months good time, so I did about five years, six months, and three weeks inside that
0: sense well, I mean that's nothing to sneeze at, you know for <laughs> it's not like it was a you know oh, you did six months or something. I don't know if you know that that's it's you know it's a long time and i and I just think about you know um the way you came out and then you know you have your business, you have your band, you're an actor you know how did you um you know how did you just stay positive and and turn it all around and make it work for you? coming out? Because as we know, you know, some people, they come, you know, they, they may spend time in prison, and then they come out, and they're, you know, they just go back to prison, or they're, you know, they're not doing the right thing. So how did, you know, how did you turn everything around?
1: I think in my case, what happened was, is I went in there, and I was charged with a lot of charges that I wasn't even involved in. They threw everything in the book at me on it, and in the end, after 21 months of uh, being uh, isolated and locked up, I wasn't cooperating. And, and the charges that they, the biggest charges they had on me, which uh, added up to life sentences, uh, were completely ridiculous. And they knew that wasn't going to go anywhere. So they, they offered me the uh, eight years to call it a day on the uh, conspiracy to distribute a veteran And I took it. And, and, you know, that was that. While I was in there, I just realized, you know, All these years, I've done whatever, all these different various things, legitimate and illegitimate, and I just built a house of cards. And by being involved in in any of this ridiculousness that I was involved in, I lost everything. Lost my family, lost my right to ride, everything I loved, you know what I mean, right out the window. And I just had a lot of time to think about it, and I thought, you know what, if I get another chance at freedom, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to do it legitimately so I don't have to deal with all this stuff, you know. And then when I do build a foundation in in my life uh, personally, business, everything, it's something that's solid that I can keep and not have ripped away from me at any moment.
0: Wow. So, um, you know, getting back to the band, um how did you meet evan i have to say um you know i i was a huge biohazard fan growing up in new york i used to um take the subway all the way out to this little club in brooklyn to see biohazard play so it's um you know it's really awesome and amazing to see how evan has kind of evolved as a front man you know but um how did you guys um hook up
1: it was kind of by chance he was um friends with Jesse James, and Jesse was a a friend of mine and a supporter while I was inside, and um, we had contact that way through um, my wife. She would run into him down at Jesse's and stuff and kind of, you know, kept in touch a little bit, and then after I got out, we ran into each other here and there, and shortly before he quit Biohazard, uh, we did a show with Attica 7, Biohazard, and Suicidal Tendencies at Muse, Inc. in Orange County. And uh, we didn't have any clue that we would ever play together at that time. And then it wasn't long after that that my singer self-destructed. He, he had an alcohol problem, and it was an ongoing thing. And I just, I was kind of like at the end of my rope dealing with that. Because, you know, a band is like a machine. It's, it's really difficult because if one part breaks, the whole machine's down. Right. Okay. And you have to try to get, members that are as drama free as you can because you never know what's going to happen even with people that aren't drama queens you know so you try to keep it as as even keel as you can and this was just a continual problem so i called up evan asked him if he could uh fill in for us maybe on bass maybe vocals and he said yeah man he says brother send me the tracks so i sent him the tracks he loved it you know he really got into it he says hey brother he says uh i don't know if i can do this uh filling in for you I said, really, and he says, yeah. He says, I, I, think I want to do it, you know, on a on a permanent basis. I said, great, let's uh, let's get together. So we started working together, uh, just me and him, and uh, got everything ready. Went into the studio, and uh, laid down the album.
0: Wow, that's really cool. Um, so, you know what what do you want your fans to get out of of the music? You know what? Obviously, you know you 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 explained you know kind of the mental state you were in when you were writing some of the songs, and then you guys got together and collaborated. But what you know what do you want um, people to take away from Attica Seven and also from you know Blood of My, My Enemies because that's what people are listening to right now.
1: That's I don't know how to answer that one really. Uh, I just hope they like it. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, <laughs> when you when you write music, you, the it's one of the best things that can happen is when you're on stage and the audience is really into what you're doing that's that's what we live for is the, those few minutes when uh, when we feel the acceptance and, and the validation from people really getting into it you know so if, if people like it that's that's great that puts a smile on my face you know That's
0: cool so the um, your lineup you know it's been fine tuned a bit so why why is that and do you think that you know you're this is this is it you know for for well um, you know we, and we
1: we've been through a, a a number of bass players and drummers and and people, and for a long time, I didn't want a second guitar player, and so it was only me on the guitar and uh you know we just had changes you know with the singers and different things and uh so me and Evan were looking for some new guys, and we were doing additions for bass players, guitar players, and drummers. And uh, uh, Tommy Holt came in on drums, and he nailed, just nailed it. Every song, didn't miss a beat. It was like me and Evan looked at each other, we're just smiling. We knew that was the guy.
0: Yeah, and he's Tommy a phenomenal such, drummer.
1: Such a great guy, and so drama-free. He's a team player. I mean, I love the guy, you know, so I could not imagine ever playing with anybody else, you know. And uh, then uh, Zach Broderick, or Zach, uh, yeah, that's his name, I think. Yeah, Broderick. Uh, he was with Nine Point and some other people, and he's he's just an epic guitar player and bass player. He came in, and he played second guitar uh, for one of the Uproar tours, and then he also uh, played bass on uh, – on a lot of our touring and he's he's phenomenal i, I really like zach and uh, he nailed it same way just nails it and uh, i remember we were on um we were finishing up uproar um not last last year but the year before and we had another bass player that on the second to the last show he just kind of self-destructed and he he said i gotta go i got problems at home and he jumped on a bus and left with one show to go. So here we are. We're heading to the last show in Albuquerque the next day. We were in Phoenix when this happened at uh, Desert Uprising, I think it was. And um, luckily, Zach is so proficient, he just borrowed a bass from somebody else. We went back from two guitars to one guitar. He did the bass. It was, didn't miss a beat.
0: Wow. It was
1: really a great show.
0: You That's know? amazing.
1: Yeah. You know, and,
0: and also, then,
1: uh, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and then with, with Evan, you know, he did all those years with Biohazard. He's just a great front man. He can play and sing, but we really like it when he just concentrates on his vocals, you know, because I mean? he can get out there without being encumbered with a, an instrument and he interacts with the crowd. He's just a great front man, you know. And uh, so I just really like the team that we have, you know, and. I think that we can do so much more than we've already done. That's, that's what we're doing right now. We're in the studio. We're doing some uh, experimenting with some uh, different sounds and different uh, instruments and things to see if we can even, uh, you know, bring it uh, further and, and go way beyond where we even are now, hopefully.
0: You know, um, it's funny because when I heard, you know, I first heard of Attica 7, and I, I, play, um, I play Attica 7 a lot on my uh, show on Broken Neck Radio, on Thursday nights, but uh, no, it's, it's, it's such, you know, it's metal, but there's, you know, you, there's definitely something real dark about it, obviously, with the, you know, some of the lyrics, but there's, there's a sound, there's a different sound to Attica 7 that I haven't heard before in metal, so, so, you know, really, really, I have some other questions a little bit later on, but really looking forward to, um, you know, seeing where this goes you know, seeing, you know, your next album, and the next, and the next, because I just think, you know, I think there's really something unique about it, but I want to ask you some questions about Sons of Anarchy, of course, because I couldn't let you go without asking about the show, (laughs) so, um, you know, Sons of Anarchy, like, who knew, like, you know, all these shows, you know, these shows, like, and this is on FX, and, who knew that it was going to be so crazy and popular and, you know, it's just, it's a brilliant show to me. And it's like every, every episode is better than the next, you know, the, the last episode was better than the first, you know what I mean? It just gets better. I don't think I've ever watched the show and said, "Ah, you know what? That was kind of boring today or that, uh, you know, can't wait until next week. Like it's explosive. It's crazy. It's insane. Like every single show, you know, um, how did you you know, did you realize what you were getting yourself into also how did you hook up with with kurt sutter and um you know did you think it was going to be this like you know crazy crazy hit
1: show no actually i didn't uh, i was just so uh, immersed in the music and the motorcycles i wasn't even really paying attention and uh uh kurt came around i don't know 5 years ago 6 years ago uh with charlie the lead on the show, and uh, came down to my shop, you know, checked out everything at an open house that I had down there. And, uh, you know, we got along well, and, and it was a it was a lot of fun. And then, you know, he, uh, he said, uh, yeah, maybe you want to come down and uh, play with us sometime. And I said, well, I'm really into my music. You know, you think you could uh, maybe get any of my songs on your show? He said, yeah, I'll hook you up with your music department. You know, we had... Over the years, we had about three songs on the show. They weren't featured, but they were there, you know. And then I, uh, I got involved with uh, Devil's Ride. And I, I think I was on three episodes of that, and I didn't want to be on And that's on a anything. reality
0: show, correct?
1: That's a reality thing, yeah. And I wasn't really down with that, and I didn't want to do it anymore. And uh, But it did open my eyes to the possibilities of acting. And, uh, you know, I talked to Kurt, and... We'd done a few bikes together, and, and uh, we did a FX charity chopper that we donated to the Wounded Warriors, and I did a personal bike for him. And uh, I said, hey, if that offer's still open, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to do it sometime. He says, you know, let me get back to you. I might have something in the pipeline or whatever. Within months, uh, I got a call, and I was uh, sent over to uh, Wendy O'Brien Casting that cast all the actors for the show. And uh, I read for a part, which is the part I got. And uh, I was in there within days. I was down there on the set, and I didn't know what to expect over there. It's a machine. It's amazing. Wow. And, it's, and they have, uh, I think they have about six writers, you know. That, uh, you know, each writer gets a couple episodes, probably a season. Same thing with the directors. The directors get two episodes, maybe three per season. And Kurt's co-writing everybody and creating the whole thing. He's just got his finger on top of it all.
0: Yeah. He's a very, very sick individual.
1: <laughs> I mean that yeah. in the
0: best way, in the best oh, way. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, some, of, some yeah. of the stuff, you know, you're just like, what was he thinking? You know, I think a poor Otto. And, you know, it's just, <laughs> some of it's <laughs> just like, insane, you know, yeah. just insane. But um, that's amazing. Um, I want to ask about, you know, I know um, I was reading um, that, you know, I know Kurt Sutter did some, you know, consultation. Obviously, he wants the show to be authentic or to, you know, to see, to appear authentic. And, um, you know, he didn't just make any, like, you know, he didn't just pull the ideas out of the thin air. I know that he, um, you know, studied biker clubs and whatnot. And um, I guess I just wanted to ask you, how do you feel about the concept of kind of like art imitating life? because I know that you are in a motorcycle club, and, um, you know, you, you know, these guys, they come to work in a way they're actors and they put on the leather and they get on the bikes, but this is what, this is something you've been living, you know, in, in your life. So, so, you know, how do you feel about that?
1: Well, I think that, that he's very smart. He gets the best actors that he can, you know, cast and he really pays attention to that. And, you don't want to fill it full of, of uh, a bunch of bikers and not have real actors. I mean, you know, you need that experience and that and that skill. You know, those those guys are amazing. Uh, they have really a lot of credits that are on that show. And uh, you know, it's like uh, Glenn Ford said years ago. He said uh, something like, uh, "You can uh, train a." a you know, a cowboy to be an actor, but it's a lot easier to, to train an actor to be a cowboy, you know? Wow.
0: Mm-hmm. And, well, you well, know, and, true, and, and like you, you know. said, the cast is, you know, phenomenal, phenomenal. Like, you know, it's one yeah. of those things where you uh, have a hard time even thinking, like, oh, wait, he's not really a biker, you know? <laughs> you know, it's just, they're, they're just phenomenal. So, um, you know, what, mm-hmm. um, what do you – what would you – say is, like, the biggest misconception about being part of a motorcycle club?
1: Well, you know, a lot of people that, that haven't ran into to people like myself when I'm out there um, wearing my patch, they, they've heard all the horror stories, they've, and, and most of the stuff that's in the news is negative, because, you know, we don't, um, you know, constantly, we don't have a, a positive propaganda machine out there you know we don't have PR people working for us so the only news you see is is not put out by us it's negative stuff in the press from things that have happened around the world and when you have a club this big there's going to be incidents here and there you know Mm -hmm. happening all the time so they hear all that stuff and they see us and they think we're you know evil this that and you know we're like anybody else we're fathers you know uh you know sons brothers uh we have kids, you know, we have dogs, you know, uh we have jobs. There's and and like any organization, you know, you're gonna have good and you're gonna have bad. You know, what I mean it's just the way it is, you know? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it's the authorities or, or or what, there's always gonna be good and bad people in in anything. But uh you know, uh when I meet people out in the public I try to be Courteous and treat them the way they want to be treated, you know. Mm-hmm. And I know that a lot of the people I run into, whether it be in a restaurant or a gas station or, or anywhere, I might be the only member of my club they ever run into. And I want them to have a, a positive experience because they might, you know, pass it on during their lifetime. They might run into, you know, a hundred people that they discuss us. And that's going to be the only thing they have to draw from is that memory of that encounter that they had with me i wanted to be a good one you know
0: well it's, it's certainly amazing because you know you being a part of um if i may say it's the the hell's angels correct it's the, the world yeah i world am a, that's yeah, yeah.
1: yeah that's okay. the club i'm in but I, I can't really discuss club politics but i can i can definitely say that i am in that club yes okay
0: all right, well, then, I'll, I'll just stop there, then, <laughs>
1: about, about
0: that. I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> so, um, well, it's, you know, speaking of motorcycle clubs, if you can tell me, if you know, or maybe let us in on just a little bit, um, what's next for for Quinn on Sons of Anarchy?
1: You know, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, no, Nobody is safe on that show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, so uh, you just never know, you know what I mean? I, I could get whacked at any time, you know. And uh, hopefully, uh, I don't piss anybody off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, well, we really, we really hope so too, because I think I, I don't know. I have a feeling. I have a feeling we're gonna see he, see and hear a lot more from Quinn. That's just my feeling. So we'll, we'll, you know, maybe we can, you know, talk again in a little bit and see how how that how that plays out. But um,
1: Yeah, we'll talk later in the year and see how that played out exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so and and
0: also, you know, you know oh sorry, go
1: ahead. Yeah, one of the things is is the the show is winding down. You know, uh, season seven is, is gonna you know, start shooting later this year and uh and it could be the last season. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, the, I mean, who knows? You know, there's there's always a possibility of it going beyond season seven but but it might not. And, uh, you know, the characters in the show, um, you know, um, have been whittled down. And as you've seen, you know, as it starts winding down, you see some of the, you know, some lead characters are going down.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah, shocking, shocking.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, you just never know, you know. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's, um, again, just just an amazing show, just an amazing show. I was... Um, yeah, I was not expecting, I knew there was something, I knew something huge was going to happen, I knew it was going to be something I didn't like, you know, but it, but I, I could not have guessed that in my wildest fantasies that, you know, like, Tara would have been killed off, and, and in that way, you know, it was, it was just, it was shocking, It's shocking, so, um, but yeah, what a great show, and, um. You know, yes, of course, it would be really sad if there was just one more season. But it's always really good, you know, when these shows, if they do, if they go out, and they go out on top, you know, and looks
1: um, out. Yeah, well I think that way. I think that's Kurt's plan. He he wants to make sure when he does, basically pull the plug that, that he pulls it at the time when they are on top, and and not not that it's going to be on a decline, but before that would happen i i don't see that happening I've
0: oh that would me. never i don't think i can't i can't even imagine that show becoming boring you
1: know yeah no no the writers just are they just keep getting better and better uh or the writing you know yeah. and uh you know it's it's finely tuned i'll tell you it curse the evil genius yeah
0: know? definitely certainly so so Attica Seven, you mentioned um earlier, you know, about some you're in the studio and you know, doing some different stuff. What's next for Attica Seven?
1: Yeah, we're we're in uh every week we're in uh trying some new things out in the studio, different toys, different sounds, different instruments. Just to augment what we have and, and uh bring it up another notch. And uh we're we're still in that phase where Uh, For instance, like lately in our rehearsals or not even – I wouldn't call it a rehearsal because it's more like uh, brainstorming sessions and experimenting right now. We're not rehearsing songs. Uh, When we do start playing some riffs and jamming a little bit with what we're working with, um, we don't want to get too comfortable because you can fall in a groove and be the same. It's easy to fall in that groove. You know what I mean? And and it sounds good, but but I don't want to do that. I want to change things around – experiment to the point where we come up with something we never would have thought of. And it's going to happen, but we just have to keep our noses to the grindstone.
0: Wow. So I can't wait. So uh, what do you think? I mean, I know we can't predict the future, but, like, say, you know, five years go by, six years. Where where do you want to see Attica 7? Like, where where do you see mm. the band five, six years? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Man, that's a good one. I, I can't even guess right there. I just hope that we leave a good legacy and people think think good of us, you know, when they hear us and, and uh, whether we're around or not around at some point. I just hope that uh, that we, you know, put a smile on people's faces when they hear us, you know.
0: I I certainly have a feeling you'll be around in five years. And, you know, we're, um, you know, people, of course, are, looking forward to tours and whatnot. You know, I know you were on, um, you know, a few previous ones. But, you know, do you have plans yeah. for, a, for a worldwide, worldwide, you know, full-on full tour?
1: Nothing right now, uh, but in the future, you never know. Um, one of the things is, is uh, me and Evan and some of the other guys in the band, we have other things that we do besides uh, the band. So we don't want to tour on some opportunities. We just don't take them. You know, there's a lot of club tours and stuff that are going all the time, year-round, that we have to pass on. And, uh, you know, that's one of the it's, – it's good and it's bad. It's good for, for us managing all of our life with our other things that we have going on, but it's bad for the growth of the band because as a band, you really need to be out there playing all the time and, and uh, you know, in front of new fans and new markets. So it's a give and a take on that one. Um, You know, the booking is going to be more strategic, I think, for 2014. We're getting some of the major uh, shows around the country, and we might be doing uh, some biker-oriented stuff, too. I'm sure we will. You know, we've already had offers uh, uh, for some major motorcycle events around the country, and we're just... You know it's still early, but we're gonna to have to start looking at uh doing the bookings here pretty soon All right wow so
0: um were there anything that you're currently listening to that might surprise us What's that? i always like to, I always like to ask in you know if I interview um is there any music or anything that you're that you're into or that you're you're, you're listening to right now that might be surprising to some of your fans?
1: um i'll tell you one thing that surprises me even that i listen to it's just the weirdest thing i've ever heard and you might have heard them is it that that weird band from south africa diant word or whatever Um, oh
0: yes yes they've been around for a bit yeah
1: yeah they have and they got that one song i think you something so freaky freaky? yeah Yeah, i think you freaky or whatever and I can't even explain why, but I when I I get a smile on my face when I watch their video and they play that song.
0: It's <laughs> totally
1: awesome. it's in a whole nother stratosphere from the kind of stuff that I listen to or play, of course, you know. But it just cracks me up, man. That's so
0: cool.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: you know, it's. And believe I me,
1: man. And I'm not trying, and and I gotta I gotta say this, so, so it's stated for the record. We're not trying to do that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Good. Okay. <laughs> Um, no, you know, it's mu- you know, music is really you know, music is pure form It's music, you know, and it's okay to, you know, be you know, be inspired by something even if it's different from something you normally you know, something you normally listen to. But um so Rusty, I think that's all the questions I had and I just wanted to say thank you again so much for uh this interview on Broken Neck Radio and we're really, really excited to have oh, had the yeah, opportunity. We'll see
1: Thank you for having me, and I'm, I'm glad to be here, and uh, I totally support everything you guys are doing, and, and uh, look forward to doing it again with you later this year.
0: Thank you very much, and we will continue playing Attica 7, so
1: stay tuned for that.
0: Great. Well, you got to come
1: down when when we're in that area. Well, you got to come down and see us.
0: Definitely will. I will.